how our take of God is. Brother Ron and I were talking this morning about some neighbors and things like that, been trying to reach, and people in different uh, religions. You know, you can be religious and not be spiritual. No, but what will save you, Brother Danny? Jesus and him alone. Amen. Dave, he needs a piece of candy. He got it right. Jesus and him alone. Thank you for saying that. I'm done. That was where we were headed this morning, and he just got us there, so let's go eat. <laughs> we asked the question last week about how we hear God. We, how do you hear God? How do you perceive God? And we looked at it, and we said, well, some people see God or hear God as an inspecting God. A God who is going to, the drill sergeant who's going to bust in your room at 5 o'clock in the morning, throw open your foot locker and your wall locker and turn everything upside down and inspect it and see how it is. And if you ain't right, he's going to fix you. Trouble's coming your way. Isn't that how a lot of people look at God? We also know that some people look at God as an impersonal God. Like the, the Muslim faith. I hope anybody is not Catholic in here. If you are, we want to lead you to Jesus today so that you can know who he is and have that relationship. But they believe in the spiritual things or the, 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 uh, the rituals and doing these things. Why? Because God's impersonal. He's a big God over there. He doesn't care about me. And we're always trying to please this God. We're always having to do A, B, and C, and D in order to have God's blessing, in order to have God to touch us. We also look at God as a disappointed God, a God who is always disappointed in us because every time we fail, we go down, and that's where Satan wants us to be. That was the questions we asked last week or some of the topics we touched on last week, but we ended with what is God really like? What is God really like? Many of us see God as the God of indictment. That's why many of the people that's traveled probably 40 or 50 cars have gone down this road this morning. And you know the only thing that's about this church is it sits here. It doesn't mean anything to them. It's not a beacon for them. They're not willing in to meet Jesus and get saved. They're not coming to our events we're having. We can have all the events in the world, but who's coming? You guys, some of you, some of you won't come to the events. So that's not what's the problem. That's not what's been going on. If this building were to burn down tomorrow, the only difference would be it would be just like when you used to go down by David and Tracy's house when they cleared all that out. It used to be a big woods, and then it was flat. Now it's got pine trees growing on it. You notice that difference, but pretty soon you get used to it. That's the question. What about your life? Is people going to miss you when you're gone? People of this world, are they going to miss you when you're gone? Will they miss our church if it's not here? Those are the serious questions. We came this morning to be ministered to and to learn. But it don't end there. It's beginning to go. That's why I've started on this to say that we can do our self-check. Are you the type of person that has looked as God as that disappointing God? How we look at God is usually how we look at each other. So if we'll look in that mirror and see ourselves, if we're judgmental on people, we look exactly that God is judgmental on us. But what is he really like? He came to save us. 
He's love. Unconditional. We'll get to that in a minute, I think. So we asked this question this weekend. What does God really want? To understand what God wants from us, we must begin with what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible tells us in Romans 26, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, life in, uh, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the gift of God. That scripture alone tells you that you cannot earn or do anything to get from God what he has already given to you. And so those mindsets that we have about God are false that we put on God just by that one scripture alone. And the world, the people in this world look mostly at the church as the guy in a suit and a tie that's going to do a lot of yelling at them. And the Christians are the ones that are going to tell them everything they've done wrong. But we learned last week that Zacchaeus didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that with Zacchaeus. He said, I need to stay with you tonight. I want to stay with you tonight. And what happened? A man's life was changed. And he was a sinner. He was a thief. Because he took stuff that Rome said, well, $10 is the taxes on, on Wayne Murphy this year, but I'm Zacchaeus. I'm not a wee little short man, but I'll pretend I am right now. And I'll say the taxes are $50 this year. I'd give the 10 to to Rome, and I'd keep 40 He was a thief. He figured out how to work the system, to game the system. But Jesus didn't come in. Nowhere in that does he tell him that he's bad. Zacchaeus comes back and says after he has an encounter with Jesus, I'm going to give back it all and some. So Jesus makes the difference. So we found out that God is an inviting God who wants to have relationship with you and me. He's not an indicting God. An indictment, whenever I used to wear a badge, an indictment was whenever you wrote up the charges, you took it to the grand jury, the grand jury looked at it, and the grand jury said, there's enough here to try this case. We've indicted or we've accused. But he doesn't do that. He invites us. I wouldn't be standing here today. I'm going to tell you, I shared some stuff with y'all last week. It wasn't easy to do. All because of the pride, all because of, well, the preacher's supposed to be this way. Like, you know, you never had a life before you got saved. Okay, I had a life before I got saved, and it wasn't very good. I didn't have to clean myself up before I came to church that day, and I received Christ. No, he did it anyway. He did it 2,000 years ago. Choice was mine. And he just kept knocking on my door. Thank God he kept knocking on my door. Thank God he kept knocking on your door. Amen? And so we have to look and have the right perception of God in order to be able to represent God to our community, and to our families. And so we come up with these ideas. In 1 John 2 and 2, it says Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world. The atoning sacrifice, that word atoning sacrifice, simply means that he stepped into place to pay the price. It'd be like if I was up at the Waffle House. Do we have a Waffle House here? It used to be like a huddle house up there. Is it still open? I used to go up there because I'm poor because I couldn't afford to go anywhere else. But 
It'd be like if I was in there and I didn't know one of you guys was there and you said, you know, I'm going to get the preacher's meal and you snuck up to the counter and you said, I'm going to pay for his meal. Don't tell him who did it. The only difference is we know that Jesus did it, but he paid the price that you and I needed to pay and couldn't pay. There was no way that we could pay that price. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, And for it is by the grace of God that you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. You want to know how we look at ourselves to see if we understand God the right way? Have you ever given somebody a gift and really expect something in return? I mean, I just got a whole parcel of gifts. And some of you, by the way, I left my cards home this morning, my thank you cards. But that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Would I get a gift next year if I didn't give you a thank you card? Well, he don't appreciate it. You just put a price on a gift. Jesus doesn't do that. It's the right thing to do, I think. But it's not a have to. This would be a have to. This is how God operates. He saved us while we were yet sinners. Our love with him will be what changes us. But the list, we come up with the list. We're going to go there here in a minute. So I gave Carson a thank you card last week, and he looked at me and he said, Man, what you do that for? Save your money. I don't need one of those things. I gave you something. I was like, that guy gets it. You understand what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not trying to trash anybody. I'm just pointing out something. If you give somebody $1,000 and they go out and buy a sports car with it and you really thought they should have went and bought something else, a pickup truck, how do you get to say that if you gave somebody a gift? If you give it to me, it's now mine. And if you put the stipulation on what that gift has to be used for, it wasn't a gift. There was somebody that came to church here when I first started pastoring that just before they left, they, they told me everything they'd ever done for me. And you know what God was showing them? What you did was not a gift. You kept the list so you could pull it out as a trump card. Speaking of trump cards, I'm not going to do it from the pulpit much. Anybody watch the debate Friday night, Saturday night, Wednesday night? Wednesday night. You only needed to watch the debate for like five minutes to understand who you need to vote for as a Christian. I will not say the name. I won't do that because I'm not going to get in trouble with Uncle Sam. But I will tell you this. Out of all the pomp and circumstance for the last 16 months or 18 months or two years, there was one issue that came out that was talked about that means something to God. You see, God, it's not, God wants you to prosper, but it doesn't mean that you have to be rich, and it doesn't mean that you have to be dirt poor and sleeping in a ditch. But if that's your walk and what he chooses, that's where you go. But those are the things that people look at or how they treat me. See what I'm talking about? I'm tying this with this this morning. But there was one issue that got talked about and one person said they was for it and one said they weren't. It was the killing of babies. You didn't need to watch anything else. Because the rest of it doesn't matter to God, but that one does. 
So, if you didn't watch it, talk to somebody, get a newspaper. But I will urge you to go vote because if you don't vote, you don't have a horse in the race. And if you don't like the one that gets in, you should have voted against them. I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. But it's the gift of God. It doesn't cost us anything, and he just gave it to us. You see, we cannot, we did not, and we will not be able to do anything to earn our salvation or to repay that sacrifice. So if we take a lot of those things outside of us, we start to look at who God is and understand who God of the Bible is rather than applying these things to others and to the Word. Okay? Some of us think that God is inspecting us and looking at us. And so we'd say, here's our good deeds. We keep the list. And we say, God, here's my deeds, and now I did for you, you need to do for me. If that's your thinking, you need to get out of that. I knew somebody not long ago that said these words to me. I respect it a lot, but I realized how shallow they were spiritually because they said, I hope that I've done enough to get into heaven. This is somebody from a Pentecostal church. Something happened along the way, and I'm going to put it to this place right here to the teaching that got off. Doing the good works to get to heaven. I asked you this question last week. How many of you, let me see your hands, want to go to hell? Nobody. Salvation doesn't necessarily mean that that's what that's about. Yes, it would keep us from hell, but nobody here wants to go to hell. So what's the other alternative? The alternative is to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. When we have that right relationship with Jesus Christ, our lights shine better. Have you ever seen light shining through a prism? We got this funny glass on our front door, and like when somebody pulls in the driveway, which nobody comes on our road because it's rough and it's dusty, you know, so nobody likes to mess their car up or nothing. So we don't get many people except the ups, man. And uh, when a headlight comes in and it hits that glass, it hits all over the wall. looks like there's 20 cars coming. And here I am diving in, you know, I've got to go put my suit coat on, fix my hair, shave real quick, because somebody's coming to see the preacher. And it's just the ups man. And me and him, we got the, we got the relationship, you know. He knows where we're at. Me and him talk about Jesus a lot. But we do the deeds, and we keep up with the deeds, and we find that the deeds are necessary, and we do these things. We try to appease God and we do things that we call that as dutiful. You see, when it's a duty to do it, you're not doing it out of love. Have we ever said these words? Well, I, I got to love them according to Jesus, but I ain't got to hang out with them. I love their soul, but. There ain't no buts on it in the Bible. None. You either love them or you don't. You either have unconditional love or you don't. And that's what Christ has for us. You know what? Anybody in any sin could be in here today and Jesus Christ can save them and turn their life around. So it's not up to you and me to say who do we go to. Do you know everybody that you meet up with is not a chance encounter? It's ordained by God. 
whether it's to talk about whatever you're dealing with, whether it's to lead somebody to Christ, it's ordained by God. So we can't even the score with God. You understand what I'm saying? Because we just can't do it. It's, the cost is there. There's no other way that it can be done. So what does Jesus want from me, I guess would be the question. Go in your Bibles to Matthew 22. Starting in verse 34. And when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, any lawyers in here? They know the law, but they don't always do what's right. They asked him a question, testing him. See, they was trying to trick Jesus. You can't trick God, folks. That's why he's not an indicting God. Mankind is already indicted to go to hell. We make the choice whether or not we will be saved and have that relationship. I don't need to indict you. You don't need to indict me. If I don't get it right, you can come to me with love. Say, brother, this is where we're at. Let's go with prayer. Let's meet with Jesus. Let's let the Holy Spirit do his work. But nobody needs to be indicted. The world knows. If we didn't, then everybody would be killing people. Everybody would be stealing everything. So they know. They've got a sense of right and wrong. They, the work, Mankind doesn't need to be indicted. But we try to trick God sometimes. And in, in, in doing so, we trick ourselves. But they were testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? If they said, teacher, if you could take everything in the Bible, ball it up, and make it fit in my hand, what is the greatest one? I mean, there's got to be something that is the crux of it. So he did just that because they didn't think he could. But he did. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All. 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 There's no defects in that at all. This is the first and great command. And the second is like it. So he said, we're going to put it into two. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments, what's the next word? Hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in the Bible hangs right there. So I got an illustration this morning. Man, I done gone and lost my tack. No, I didn't. I stuck it in the cross. Now this is my little cocking device from my, it's my I don't know, it's got a name I'm sure, but it, it's my, my cocking thingy doohickey that I use to cock my, my crossbow so that I don't break my fingers when I do it. It's got a name, but anywho. This is the law, this is the prophets. And they hang, so there's a nail that goes there. Don't you fall, because you can mess me up if you do. All the law and the prophets hang on that. What is it? Yeah, it's Jesus. But what is it? That's right. 
That love is agape, unconditional love. You can't do anything to get out of the love that I have for you. You can't do anything to earn the love that I have for you. If it's so, and that happens, my way to test myself is to say, God, help me. You see, that's why we're not reaching our communities and our families, because we're going with the rules. Our precepts and mindsets of who God is, we point out all the wrongs, and we don't get relationship. This is uncomfortable, I know. I want to show you something. Paul said that the law is like a mirror. We look in that mirror and that mirror reflects back to us so we can see who we really are. I don't need to tell you, brother Danny, who you really are. You know. I can see the outward stuff. You're dressed up. You're at church on Sunday morning. Church attendance will not get you to heaven, by the way. It won't keep you out of hell, if that's where we don't want to go. Let me say it that way. No, but it's a relationship with the Father, through the Son. We're saved by grace, through faith. Now, grace is a wonderful thing. Grace, by the way, doesn't say you get to do what you want. Grace is what was extended to you so you could be saved. And grace is what is extended to you every day as the Holy Spirit ministers in your heart. Now, we can get ourselves calloused and cold-hearted about things. But all the law and the prophets, everything in the Bible hangs right here on the cross with the love of Jesus. And it hangs on something called a nail. And that nail I want you to see and understand is that godly love. You see, if we had the love for others like we have for ourselves, we would never have an argument. We might have some disagreements, but we would sit down and talk about it. We would get through it with the Lord leading us, but our pride says, I will not give, I shall not give. God is this way because we have a wrong attitude and a mindset of who God is. We cannot earn from Him. There was nothing we could do. Jesus said, I love you so much that I will even take getting separated from the Father. Have you ever wondered? I asked Brother Ron this question. My mind works different than everybody else's. Why the cross? Why crucifixion? Why? We talked it out and got somewhere this morning, didn't we, brother? Because we started off, well, well, that's just what they did at the time. No, they beheaded people too. It's in the Bible. They would spear you. If they had a gun, they'd shoot you. It just goes to show, gun control, huh? Well, why am I going there? People kill people. They use stuff to do it. You can use a Bible if you hit them hard enough. I got one at home. It's about 50 pounds. I mean, it's huge, and it's got a hard cover on it. Kill somebody with it. Where was I going? Why? Why crucifixion? From that day forward, ultimate sacrifice. He did give his life for us knowing that we could say no. Every one of us. He loves you that much. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know this morning how much he loves you. 
And he's not indicting you. He's not looking for you to mess up so he can come down and pounce on you. But we look at stuff this way. God, I did this, now start my car. God, I did this. Why? I'm a tithe payer. Why did I lose my job? Don't you need my money to go in here? No, he don't. He's the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. He don't need your money. Are you supposed to tithe? Yes. It's what he teaches us. But we can't earn it. That's how much he loves you and me. That's why I shared my testimony some last week. Some of the places of nasty stuff I've done in my life and places I've been. But he loved me enough to say, I'm going to save you. And guess what? I'm going to make you a pastor. He used him, but he didn't make it happen. Because if God didn't want me doing it, it wouldn't happen. Am I right on that? He just used you to be the tool to get to this place. And he's still growing me. Is he still growing you? Because if he didn't want me here, I wouldn't be doing it. He's God. You know, you remember he, he created everything in six days. He just spoke the word. I'm about to walk off of here. But you and I can't do anything to earn it. And we have to have that right mindset of who God is. Therefore, we can't have cross words with one another. We won't talk behind nobody's back. You know, we have the to-do list, but we also have the list that nobody knows. We have the stuff going on inside of here that Satan is attacking us with. And whatever you was attacked with when you was in the world, he is going to try to use the same junk to trip you up. And he will accuse you and he'll lay an indictment on you, but that indictment means nothing. When Christ shows up, our works are filthy rags to him. We need to understand that. The work that's been done on this property, Brother Murphy, I hate to burst your bubble, but you didn't do it. He did it. You just got to be a part of it. You got to lead on it, but he did it. And each one of you that have been a part of what's been done, he did it. You just got to be a part of it. But on why the crucifixion? To show us even this far out how much God loves you. They could have beheaded him. Jesus said, I lay down my own life and I take it up again. What's going on here is I'm the only sacrifice. That's what Jesus said. Not me, not Ken. Jesus I'm the only sacrifice that could buy you back into right relationship with God. And that's it. There ain't no other way. Allah ain't just another religion, another way to God. Allah is no way to God. You need to get that into your mind. The world's trying to tell you different. The world's trying to tell your children different. Know what your kids are learning. Undo the stuff that gets done in the, in the school system. And make it right. Well, you put this on the test because you've got to make the grade. But otherwise, know that this is not true, son. Know that this is not true, daughter. But why the cross? Why the stripes? Why the crown of thorns? Why hanging all day on the cross? Why? Show us our love love that he has for us. Doesn't that mean something? Did we ever, anybody watch the Passion of the Christ? That's about as close as you can get. 
to the reality of it and still not know. But all the law hangs on this, this love. We've got to have the right mindset of who God is. So our doing ain't, ain't enough. You know, some people got different callings. You know, Sister Francis, she does the nursing home. But she can't just say, well, that's the good thing and that's what we're doing. Da, 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 da. What are you doing, Bonnie? No, because God's got something different for you to do. That's between you and him. It's kind of like Peter whenever he asks, what about this guy? Jesus said, what's it to you? I've asked you to do something. I'm going to ask him to do something. You get to be crucified. In hour, you know, within a day's time, you'll be dead. He's going to boil in a vat of oil and live. And I've got another revelation I'm going to use him for. So what's it to you? You want to know what happens? When you take the nail of love out, this is a mirror with the law and the prophets on it. What happens? Falls. Now, I would have used the real mirror this morning, but I'd have been here till three this evening cleaning up. So pretend that was a mirror. What would have happened to it? It would have broken. What we end up doing in our lives is we start picking up those little pieces. So we don't like the heroin addicts and the gays and all these people here. They don't deserve Jesus. They're not coming around us. We're afraid that they're going to make us dirty. Can I tell you something? If your God that you're worshiping is no more powerful than you can go among sinners and reach them, that they will make you imperfect, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. Jesus Christ is not the Lord you're looking at. You've picked up some pieces of that broken mirror. And now, this is who I am. I go visit the sick. I, 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 do, I do this. See, see, God, it's on the mirror. Right here it is. But it's the whole thing. We pick up the little pieces and start applying it to ourselves. Why? Because we have the wrong view of who God is because we need to please him. Because he's indicting us. He loves us. And until we have that same kind of love, we're not going to reach people. We're going to have revival tonight, and it would, be, it would bless my heart to see this place filled up with every one of you, and each one of you bring a visitor. And you know what? That would just about fill us up. Maybe an unbeliever. Maybe we can get them to come. Invite them. But you're not going to make that happen because they already view the church with what's already been done in the past. You're just looking at us and judging us. You know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't marry women that do. <laughs> but we don't ever touch the part of the don't gossip, don't hate, don't use the bad language. It's just as bad, but nobody gets to see that. Only elite few. You know, me and Carson, we solve the world's problems <laughs> on Crab Orchard Road. Shoe through the TV yet during the debate, so praise God, he's made it another four years. But you see what I'm talking about? If we have the wrong view of who God is, that's the relationship we have with God, therefore that's the relationship we have with one another. In this world that is dying, he, said, he came to who? For the world too. Everybody in this world, that they could be saved. So we can't go with them with the to-do list. 
First thing we've got to do is have that relationship. Brother Ron, keep up the relationship with your friend. You don't know what God's going to do. But keep that relationship going. Meet with him at the fence like Kim Taylor with Wilson on the home improvement. Anybody remember that back in the 90s? I don't know why that just jumped into my head. But hidey ho neighbor, you know, he always had problems and Wilson had the answers. Keep meeting him at the gate. Someday there may be a need in their life and the Lord says, Ron, I need you to move now. If you have the right relationship with God, you're going to move because you're going to love him as much as Jesus does. If you have the wrong relationship with God, you might see he's not worth it. And then you don't go. And he says, I'm needing you to be my hands and feet. Amen. This is a shouting message, isn't it? Let's give God some praise right now. Let's wake up. Because I'm tired of doing the praying for people and not seeing results. And I've told these people this, Danny and Allison and their babies get that itching going on and I have laid hands on them and prayed. I know it's nothing I do. But that's took me on the path to say, God, what are we getting? Our mindset and idea of who God is and we're teaching on who God is, his relationship with us, he's not going to bless that. I mean, we can run the country club. I mean, there are country clubs out there all over who are just fine, and they don't care who God is one way or another. We can run the country club and call it God's house and do just fine. I'm talking about the real work. I'm talking about the real work that happens in your life, that Jesus is relevant to you. Jesus is relevant to the guy that just went down the road. Who doesn't care, doesn't know, but he needs to know. Maybe he does get sick and there comes that day that we can lay hands on and that they will receive healing. How many of you believe that? I want to see your hands this morning. Because if you don't believe it, you've got a wrong relationship. Because you've done put God in a box. You see what I'm talking about? So now we've taken away what God can do. Because we don't believe that part of the Bible. The mirror broke and we just picked up the pieces we wanted to pick up. Amen. Does that make sense to you? So tonight, as we come back for revival, come back hungry for Jesus. Come back hungry for that relationship with Jesus. I want you to think of a picture. How many of you are married? Some of you ain't raised your hand. I know you're married. I ain't claiming him. I ain't claiming her. <laughs> what did you say in your vows? For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is just like that. He's the bridegroom. We are the bride. For better or for worse, he loves me. He's all in. Whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, he is all in. Whether I'm sick or whether I'm healthy, he is all 
in? What about your relationship with him? Are you all in? I'm sick. Jesus didn't touch me. I'm mad at God. See, that's a contract. That's not a covenant relationship. A contract demands something in return. Right? Brother Ken, if you're doing work, I can come to you and we have an agreement. Our contract will probably end this way. Because that's the way real men do it. Oh. <laughs> that's how real men do it. Banks and other people, they make you write out your, you know, give away children to the third generation and all this. Either way, it's a contract. But if I have him to do something for me that I'm not able to do, we have an agreement. And I say, well, will you come do this and I will pay you this. And if I don't do upright, then he has a legal bound to me and, and that's a contract. If he doesn't do right, then I have a legal bound, so I'm not paying you. But a covenant relationship is you're all in, regardless. When Jesus went to that cross, he was all in for you. All in. And he's still all in for you. You might have had a bad week and you didn't represent Christ. Well, well guess what? Get over it and move on. Because what happened yesterday cannot be undone. What didn't happen yesterday, it can't be undone either. But you got today. We don't know if we got tomorrow or not. We live today. So let the Lord have you. Are you all in? That's my question to you. Covenant relationship or a contract? I think that's a good way to put it. A contract expects something to be fulfilled. I came to church. Jesus, I'm good looking to have a good week. Oh, man, I've had this going on, that going on. I didn't get to make it to church. I, you know, I made the bad decision and I went, did this and I should have came. Man, get off of that. God, don't look at that. It's good to be here. It's good to get fed. It's good to have the fellowship. Because you know what? You can fall through the cracks if you don't. Am I right on that? Because you see, we got, what, 100 people here this morning? And if 100 people come this week and, and us, we're together and we got things to do, and you ain't been here in six months, it ain't been that you've forgotten that you're any less loved, but there's enough work happening. It's taking up, the spe- you know what I'm saying, that needs done. But if we are together and he's pulling us together and he's growing us together, all the law and the prophets, all the law and the prophets, all the people of God hang on that nail of love. If we take that nail out, our precept, concept, understanding of who God is shatters. You got a song in your heart, brother. Somebody come help him. He needs help. Oh, here's my other tack. You see, it's our recognition of the need of a Savior that starts the ball rolling. And see, when people see us in our lives and they say, why why are you happy? Why, Why hasn't this got you down? Because I'm all in with Jesus. 
if he takes my wife or if he takes my children, I'm all in with Jesus. If I find out tomorrow I've got cancer and two months to live, I'm all in with Jesus. I'm going to preach until I can't. I'm all in with Jesus. And the world sees that. You see, we're not going to change policies. Can you imagine if we took and started saying we're not going to have any more social security, no disability, we're taking all these things, which, by the way, we're pretty much losing it anyway because we've abused it. But that's another message for another time. But if we went and tried to turn around the abortion laws, if we went and tried to turn around the gay laws, the things that just came up, if we went and... ...cops are doing their jobs. Can you imagine what would happen? Washington can't fix it. Hillary, Donald... The other guy that don't know how to talk, what's his name, Johnson? They know where Aleppo is. I mean, I've watched news like three times this year. I know where Aleppo is. But 4% of the people in this nation think this guy's something. <laughs> no, we take steps. I've kind of called this series one step. It's kind of in the works right now. It's one step at a time. My walk with Jesus has been one step at a time. There's been some high spots and there's been some really low spots. But he's been there the whole step of the way. And when you step to your neighbors with that nail of love in there that it's unconditional, you understand and love them just like Jesus loves them. You're all in because what's in his heart is now in your heart. You're all in. You take one step at a time. And before you know it, you look back and say, well, I was over there and now I'm here. And the things that's going to change in this world, it's probably still going to keep going down, but you know what's going to make the difference is when people find out who Christ is and start living for Him. You know, if Jesus gets a hold of you, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't chew, you don't date women that do. You don't talk about people. You don't do drugs. You don't gossip. You don't murder, whether with a gun or with your tongue. And when Jesus gets a hold of you, a change happens. See, that's the answer. We need to vote. That's our civic duty. We want to see our nation change. We've got to start reaching souls. My question is, is, do we still believe in the power of the Word? Do we still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to move on people? Do we still believe that? See, it's easy to say that somebody, I believe this, but, you know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. What's coming out of my mouth is what's in my heart. What's coming out of your mouth is what's in your heart, and he's letting you see that. He's not striking you down because you're not seeing right. He's letting you see it, so he's saying, now take my hand and let me pull you up out of that so you don't walk here no more. You understand what I'm talking about? We say this, but we don't do this. It brings the question, do we really believe this? I mean, when I first got saved, I was going to reach all of Washington, D.C. while I was up there working four days a week. I just knew it. And then I had this huge leap of faith, and so I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, got a good start. 
And I'm just excited about what Jesus is going to do. It seems like we went backwards in some ways. Some ways we've gone, we've made some great strides, man. We've had some wonderful midnight, two o'clock in the morning conversations with some people. Dealt with stuff they don't like to share. Because God's moving. See, if you're not all in, you quit. If you don't have a relationship, it's easy to throw away. That's why we have the things we do to keep us bound together. Also, so we can invite the people in, but we have got to let our light shine. We're called to be salt and light. It changes today if you want it to change today. It changes this week, maybe. Maybe there's a message for you that's Tuesday night, and you know if Satan's been looking over Brother Shaw's shoulder, that's why I don't like taking a lot of notes. Because I know he's a, he's a scoundrel. So if God's speaking it in my heart, he don't get to know about it. Because he might know I want to preach something that Randy Hensley needs. And he'll do everything in his power to keep Randy Hensley from not coming. Legitimate stuff. His boss may come to him and say, I need you to work Sunday or Monday. or I need you to work late Tuesday night. Just because he knows that Tuesday night is the very thing he's going to need. And you know what? The devil is afraid of the power of God. He knows how powerful he is. He knows how powerful prayer is. Yeah. That's how he rolls. But if you're all in with Jesus, you've got an advocate. If you're all in with Jesus, you you walk with him. Wherever he goes, you go. Guess where he goes? He goes into the sinner's house. And he makes relationship with them. He don't condone what they're doing. But in time, they understand that, oh, I need to be acting different. I need a Savior. The rule book doesn't do any good, right? Because I can tell you right now, everybody on this side of the room, get up out of your seats and walk over there, and you'd hear some of the awfulest whining and complaining that would go on for the next five minutes because I made you get out of your comfort zone and move. I've been sitting here for 40 years. That's your problem. You've been sitting for 40 years. Let Jesus take you one more step. Reach those in your life and grow and get to see what he does. You got something you want to pray about this morning? You can sit in your seats or you can come to the altar. You got something you want to talk to one of us about? Brother Murphy, Brother Randy, Brother Willie, anybody. By the way, you're a royal priesthood. Did you know that, Roxanne? You're a royal priesthood. You're part of that. You get a talk for Jesus. Yeah. That's big stuff. That's big stuff, y'all. Come and pray. You can pray where you're at. That's okay. You can get on your knees, you can stand up, and you can praise.